It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios. Welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. And you still like me or you you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You're all right. (laughs) I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, Longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth. In America, wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. This is a ripping. I've never seen nothing like this before in my life. Robert Jackson III, on his way to make a DoorDash delivery Sunday morning around 11 o'clock when he saw something. I was going down 8 Mile, going east on 8 Mile. I saw something in a distance, but I was unsure what it was. And as I got closer, I was noticed, I said, that's a kid. And I said, oh my God. A two-year-old baby boy just wandering in the road. So at that point, Robert says he pulls over and jumps out of his car. He scoops the baby up. That baby is only wearing a diaper and socks. Robert then wraps the baby up in his coat and puts him in the car, closes the door, tries to get him warm. He was standing in the middle of eight mile like this. And all was shaking was his hands and his mouth. His lips were purple and his fingertips were purple. I jumped in the car and just to give the baby some body heat, more body heat, because I had the heat on, I just held him. Robert, who happens to have more than a dozen grandchildren of his own, comforted the child and recorded cell phone video while they waited. We're waiting on the police now, buddy. This is Steve. Yeah, buddy, I know. You can't ask him who his mommy is. He can't talk. I mean, no shoes. Detroit police figured out who the child was and determined he just walked outside the family home, which is less than a block away from where Robert found him. Investigators say a 16-year-old sibling was babysitting the child at the time. He was taken to Children's Hospital to be checked out. No word on how long he was wandering outside. Robert just thankful he was in the right place at the right time. It feels good that I was there. Uh, I don't know how to explain it. I'm grateful I was there to help that child. That means, so, that means a lot to me. Um, it's, 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 it, it's got me right here. All right, so that's a report. It explain. It's self-explanatory. Robert Jackson, he's a grandfather. He's on the highway, and he sees this thing, and he, he gets closer, and he pulls over, and he sees a baby in its diaper with purple lips and freezing hands and takes him, holds him close, uh, calls the calls the police. That's a story out of Detroit. And so there are two sides of that story, of course. There's like what kind of family takes such little care for their little ones that they uh, don't even notice that they're gone, out wandering on uh, out wandering on a highway. That's the sad part. But the the encouraging part is that people care so very much still in this country. They just do. It crosses uh, racial lines. It crosses economic lines. You know, I don't know. I, I guess probably I would say my jaded report would probably be poor people and middle class uh, care more about uh, little ones than maybe maybe the upper class are the ones who are, are a little callous. But you know what? That's really not true. As expressed in this next story, this is a story out of Hobbs, New Mexico. 
I was in Hobbs, New Mexico, 100 years ago in the hospital, very, very sick, dehydrated. But that's not what this story is about. But Hobbs, New Mexico brings back interesting memories for me. But in Hobbs, New Mexico, uh, there was a dumpster in the back of a business. And uh, three people that were there heard something in the dumpster. And they thought at first it was a cat mewing. And then the closer, as they started digging things out, they found out it was a baby uh, d- thrown away in a bag. And they pulled the baby out. It had an umbilical cord. It had dried blood. Uh, and they called the police, and the police came, and the baby is uh, being taken care of. I don't know the current condition, but here's the story. And then they went to the business, and they checked the surveillance camera in the back where the dumpster was. And they saw at 2 o'clock in the afternoon... I watched the video. A, a compact white car pulls up. A woman gets out, and as though she's tossing, you know, the garbage from her bathroom in a bag, she just tosses it, doesn't lay it, just tosses it in the garbage a dump, and then drives off. Well, they then they track her down. It turns out she's 18 years old. Uh, she didn't know she was pregnant until last week. She went to the doctor with stomach pains, and she delivered the baby in the bathroom of her parents' home. Uh, and just decided she would, you know, do away with it. The police said that when she was talking to them, they wouldn't. she kept referring to the baby as it, and they asked her what she thought was going to happen to the baby if uh, throwing it in the dumpster, and she just didn't even reply. Okay, so that story has two parts, too. And there's a mother, someone who just gave birth. This just does not make any sense to me at all. I can't even imagine. Who would have absolutely no... No maternal instinct whatsoever for her own child. And so callously, if you see the video, it's just, it's really unbelievable how callously she throws this in the dumpster. But then you've got these three people who hear this sound in this dumpster and go to great, they get inside, they're pulling things out, and they find this baby. And by the way, she carefully disposed of it in a bag with other garbage, I guess so people wouldn't notice. And so the baby's life has been saved. It was a little boy. And, you know, it's just heartrending. We are a nation mixed, no question about it. But I, I have to say, I believe that people, for the most part, still value life. Uh, that's why, you know, if a child falls in a well, as that little Jessica did several years ago, deeply in a well, it held the nation spellbound for days while uh, they went to incredible lengths to save, a two, uh, what, an 18-month-old baby. Because we value life. Most cultures are not like that. I don't know if you understand that. Most of them are not like that. And certainly the left would like to change that in us. Look how they value life. They don't value life at all. Look at the, I think of COVID right now. I think of how the the justices at the Supreme Court so easily dismiss the fallout from uh, COVID and the shots and the damage. It was interesting during the arguments, um, uh, Yesterday, we talked about this briefly. Alito was mentioning, in brief, apologizing, apologizing, apologizing. This is not me saying this, but I'm just saying, what if there are damages, injuries from these shots? What if there are deaths? And then uh, one of the justices uh, jumped in over the uh, the solicitor general from the uh, Biden administration to save them from having to respond to that. They don't care. There's a callousness about life. It seems to be... Um, as we move to this new progressive world in which we're living, uh, the concern for human life, the concern for the prisoners held in D.C. jail under horrible conditions uh, who have, you know, are being charged with, for the most part, misdemeanors, not for insurrection. No one's been charged with insurrection. Um, 
the lack of food, the lack of medical care. People, the left doesn't care. The judges don't care. Members of Congress don't care. Uh, so our hearts get callous. Uh, and I would say you can boil it down to this, the further we get from the knowledge of God. Our hearts grow cold. But the good people of the United States, many of them, like the food delivery driver and those three people who were near the dumpster in New Mexico, are not there. And I think millions and millions of Americans are not there yet. Our hearts have not grown cold, and we are going to fight for life, whether it's uh, through uh, the abortion industry, whether it's through uh, the malpractice of these medications, whether it's the lack of giving people life-saving drugs who have COVID. It's the whole spectrum. So... I guess it's a natural time for me to tell you that we are in the middle of our pre-born campaign, speaking of life. The pre-born campaign, pre-born works uh, with hundreds of Christian pregnancy centers across the country providing um, ultrasound for mothers who find themselves pregnant and are not sure they want to keep their babies. And so they have to pay for those. They're very expensive machines, and each year we ask you to help them. This year it's $28 to provide one woman seeking an abortion a free ultrasound. And, of course, if you can afford more than $28, I'm sure they'll take, if you can pay $100, they'll take whatever you have. It's just this figurative to give you an idea of what things cost. $140 provides five free ultrasound sessions reaching five women. And so if you can help, and believe me, this is a powerful tool. It has been for the last several years. It's really turned the number of abortions on their head as these pregnancy centers are able to show the moms that they have living, breathing children inside of them. It's really changed the narrative. You can call 877-616-2396. That's 877-616-2396. Or donate online at AFR.net. That's AFR.net. All right, I have so many things. What else is new? (laughs) Lots of things to tell you today, so I'm going to move ahead. Uh, There were lots of vigils last week uh, for the uh, detainees in the prisons around the country now. They've been, a lot of them have been moved out of the D.C. jail. I'm talking about people who went to the Capitol on January the 6th uh, and many of them nonviolent protesters uh, and some, anyway, I'm not going to go into the explanation, but you know the situation. Uh, They've been held unlawfully in the D.C. jail and treated abominably. Uh, in jails around the country. So there were vigils around the country. We're going to talk quite a bit about that later. Um, And at one of those vigils in Florida, someone showed up to, you know, spend time with them. Let's listen to this report. This is clip seven. Pinellas County deputies say 22-year-old Garrett James Smith brought a pipe bomb to a rally outside the county courthouse Thursday. According to an arrest report, deputies found the device in Smith's backpack and a bomb squad later determined it was a homemade improvised explosive device. He was dressed in all black. He had a black covering over his face and he was carrying a black backpack. Uh, He was running fast, and it looked like that he was fleeing from something. The sheriff says protesters were gathering outside the county courthouse Thursday on the anniversary of the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol. Deputies spotted Smith running away from the rally. They arrested him for loitering. Deputies also found a helmet and a handwritten checklist detailing clothing, armor, and gear in his backpack. Inside the car, deputies found a bag of M80 fireworks. Deputies also obtained a search warrant uh, for Smith's residence and located another pipe-type explosive device along with hand-grenade-type explosives 
in Smith's bedroom. The sheriff's office says Smith does not have a criminal history. They could not locate any social media accounts. The sheriff says Smith refused to speak to deputies, so they do not know his motive or his intentions. Smith is what we call a sleeper, and these are the most concerning individuals because there's no opportunity to intervene and thwart their criminal activity until they actually act. We're fortunate in this situation that something uh, caused Smith to flee before he ignited the explosive device. Yeah, so we're fortunate. Okay, so this is a very interesting, uh, I want to take a minute to explain this if I can. So uh, people were there honoring, doing a vigil for uh, individuals that are incarcerated because of being in the Capitol on January 6th. The article that I'm referring to tracks WPTV, WFLA, WFTS, WJXT. Those are all local Florida stations because no national channels ever even talked about this. And as you hear these various outlets, you will see here's the the common uh, theme. And this will, be, this will bring back memories. They're not sure about his motives. They found a hat with, a, with an insignia on it, which, by the way, I'm telling you, they don't tell you, is an Antifa sig- signal, a symbol. He's dressed in all black. He wears a black mask. He's got a black backpack. Uh, he's, uh, yeah, but they don't know what his motives are. At one point, uh, uh, one of the newscasters says, we're not sure who, if he was there to support the protesters or to protest. We're just not Sure, you know, he could be one of them, one of those people supporting the J6ers, but it's just a complete uh, omission. The, even the police chief uh, goes out of his way to not explain exactly what happened. And as a matter of fact, I asked Adam to pull a few samples of these uh, different news outlets, uh, kind of avoiding saying what happened. This is clip 11. Let's listen. Keith and Stacy, good evening to you both. The sheriff called the suspect 22-year-old Garrett James Smith, quote, a sleeper with no known social media or criminal history. Tonight, the FBI is involved in this investigation, trying to figure out why this man brought that pipe bomb to yesterday's political rally. Deputies say Smith also had this document titled Direct Action Checklist, divided into three categories, clothing, armor, and gear. During a search of his family's Oldsmar home, deputies say they discovered additional hand grenade-type explosives. Smith uh, refused to give any information. He refused to talk to deputies. So we really have no idea as to what his political leanings are and whether he supported or opposed the protesters at the jail. And the sheriff says Smith also had a helmet with logos as seen at protests by groups in Oregon and other parts of the country. His family told investigators he returned from Portland uh, several months ago. He was dressed in all black. He had a black covering over his face and he was carrying a black backpack. Uh, He was running fast and it looked like that he was fleeing from something. Deputies also obtained a search warrant uh, for Smith's residence and located another pipe-type explosive device along with hand grenade-type explosives in Smith's bedroom. The sheriff's office says Smith does not have a criminal history. They could not locate any social media accounts. The sheriff says Smith refused to speak to deputies, so they do not know his motive or his intentions. Smith is what we call a sleeper, and these are the most concerning individuals because there's no opportunity to intervene and thwart their criminal activity until they actually act. We're fortunate in this situation that something uh, caused Smith to flee before he ignited the explosive device. Yeah, so, you know, we just don't know. And you notice the FBI is in it. Uh, So this is what reminds me of. 
Does anybody remember when we had all these Islamist attacks around the country and they stopped giving the name of the attacker? And they would always say, we don't know what the motives are. We just can't figure that out. Uh, it was uh, someone who yelled Allah Akbar, like the doctor at Fort Hood, who stood up on the desk with his Islamic garb and yelled Allah Akbar before he slaughtered Fort, uh, Fort, uh, Fort Hood uh, uh, soldiers. But they weren't sure about his motive, just not, not sure, just not clear about that. That's what this reminds me of. Uh, they go to great depths. Uh, the FBI can't, you know, Antifa's not an organization. It's just an idea why we just don't know. He could be a Trump supporter because we all know they dress in black and carry black backpacks and try to blow people up. Yeah, so there you go. This is how twisted things have become. When we come back, we're going to talk to Matt Brainerd about those vigils around the country, so stay tuned. Sandy Reels in the morning on AFR Talk. The Raising Godly Boys Minute with Mark Hancock. Prison is a hard place, but the pain of prison extends beyond concrete walls and barbed wire fences. According to Prison Fellowship, over 1.5 million kids have an incarcerated parent and around 92% of them are fathers. That's a sad statistic. It means that hundreds of thousands of boys are growing up without a dad. All boys need a proper role model to guide, encourage, and love them. Break the cycle. Be active in your son's life or be a dad-like in an organization that serves a boy without a dad. And demonstrate that God's Word contains truth and guidance on how to navigate the pathway of life. For tips and resources on parenting boys, visit TrailLifeUSA or RaisingGodlyBoys.com. Don't lament past mistakes. Move forward at RaisingGodlyBoys.com. 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 You know, if you feel like you're stuck with a health care plan that isn't affordable or you simply don't like it, right now is a great time to switch to MediShare. The typical family saves $500 or more per month with MediShare. And what's more, they like it. MediShare has double the customer satisfaction rate when compared to health insurance. Double. You get access to a massive network of providers and 24-7 telehealth. And MediShare is the most trusted name in healthcare sharing. It's been around for more than 25 years, and it's more than just affordable healthcare, too. You get to be part of a community of Christians who pray for each other and support each other. But here's why now is the time to make the switch. Join before January 15th, and they'll waive your new member fee. So you'll save another $170 right off the bat. Call now. You'll get a price within two minutes. And again, the deadline is January 15th, so you can save even more. Call 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Stern. Stand by for news and commentary next. Are you looking for a university that provides a quality Christian education with excellent academic and athletic programs? Well, I want to invite you to visit Liberty University, where they offer multiple visiting opportunities to fit your schedule. Plan a visit to their Central Virginia campus and stay for an afternoon, a day, or an entire weekend. You can also take a virtual tour from the comfort of your own home. Plan your visit today by texting "Go Visit" to the number 49596. Again, that's "Go Visit" to the number 49596. There is growing outrage over focus on the family's looming decision to obey OSHA's China virus mandates. Focus said in an email they will comply should the Supreme Court fail to overturn the Biden administration's unconstitutional regulations. Now, it hasn't happened yet, but many people are gravely concerned. Television station KRDO obtained an email from an employee sent to staffers. There are concerns if they do not comply, they could face millions of dollars in fines. 
The Epoch Times reported staffers who do not confirm they've been vaccinated must wear a mask at work and they must start getting tested on February the 9th. Understand this, Focus on the Family does indeed have a choice to make, like all of us. They can either comply with the government's mandates or not, and Focus on the Family appears to have settled for compliance. I don't mean to speak for Dr. James Dobson, who founded Focus, but he would have never complied. I'm Todd Stearns. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. I'll say, we were just talking about the Antifa dude who visited the rally, the J6 rally in Florida last Thursday. By the way, before I go any further, if any of you are at any of those rallies and have something to report or say or share, our phone number is 888-589-8840. Now, I don't want just comments about the rallies. I really want, if you were there, then I'd like to talk to you. Otherwise, we're going to talk with Matt Brainerd in just a second. Our phone number is 888-589-8840. As we just reported, this uh, Simpson was at the rally in Florida. He's dressed in black. Uh, he has a black backpack. He has pipe bombs. He has uh, instructions about how to dress. And yet, as we played the montage for you, they can't figure out what if motives were. He might have been there uh, to defend the J6 people that have been wrongly incarcerated. He just might have been on their side. We're not sure. Neither is the FBI or the police. And that's where we are with this. Well, meanwhile, in uh, at St. Patrick's Cathedral in Manhattan, uh, there was a vigil on Thursday in honor of, uh, on the first anniversary of January 6th, honoring and trying to fi- seek justice for people who are held in solitary confinement without medical care, et cetera, et cetera. So guess what? Guess who came? And someone who follows this very closely is Andy No. Andy's been our guest many times. Uh, Andy uh, was there taking pictures, and this is what it sounded like. So that's, I know it's confusing. Yeah, confusing. So what happened, according to Andy, was that the the Antifa decided to show up. And you hear them shouting, Proud Boys, and the reason it sounds like they're going, Yay, Proud Boys, they're not. They're saying, Blank Proud Boys. So just to be clear about that. So the people are singing. They're standing on the steps of the cathedral, and here comes Antifa. But, of course, Antifa is not a group. It's just an idea. I wanted to make that clear. And we're not sure about their motives. Maybe they really do like Proud Boys, and they just like foul language. This is the world in which we live. Well, Matt Brainerd is with us. Matt is uh, with Look Ahead America, sponsored those rallies. I think there were 36 around the country. And I've asked him to join us this morning to tell us what happened. And so, Matt, can you specifically start with talking about St. Patrick's Cathedral? What happened there? What was all that noise about? Sure. Yeah, we are really glad to have been able to sponsor all of these candlelight vigils all over the country, from Florida to Hawaii and everywhere in between. And uh, we were able to get one in New York City, which is pretty hostile territory, as you might imagine, but we had a very healthy crowd there. Um, 
And then these Antifa thugs showed up, and one of them threw a punch at uh, one of the camera guys um, who was uh, helping us document this event up at the cathedral. Um, and they were very offensive. They were yelling foul language. It's just, uh, it's like they've got nothing better to do than to harass patriots. And fortunately, though, there was a pretty large contingent of police there that uh, they kind of knew what was up and very quickly separated them. Um, despite their uh, slurs and profanity and attempts to intimidate and actual violence, that the Antifa uh, individuals committed, you know, towards our group there, uh, we persisted, and we were not deterred from conducting our vigil and for witnessing the uh, political persecution of several hundred of our patriotic brothers and sisters. So that rally continued to be a success. It was a fantastic location, and the turnout was great, and uh, we continued to raise uh, awareness in public of uh, this, this grave injustice. Yep. So, uh, and before, I, I do want to also, before you joined us, we talked a, a pretty much in depth about what happened in Florida. We played uh, news uh, outlets talking about Smith dressed in black. Uh, they found pipe bombs in his uh, backpack. He didn't actually set a bomb off. Thank goodness he was running away. And I, we did that, but I'm wondering, Matt, if you have any inside information about that rally and about what, how people well, felt when they, as they were there. Right, that was that was a daytime rally. Um, although a very close friend of mine and of Look Ahead America, uh, Anthony Sabatini, I believe a future congressman, current state legislator from Florida, um, was at that event, and it was in fact an Antifa member because he had Antifa literature, he had an Antifa uniform. Uh, so the media is pretending like he didn't have political efficiency, or they're just outright ignoring the story, um, which seems kind of remarkable. Uh, given the circumstances, but I imagine if it had been a a left wing rally, it had been somebody with a Proud Boy affiliation, it would have it would have consumed the entire news block for the day. It would have gotten flood the zone coverage on MSNBC and CNN and New York Times. And but for some reason, they don't want to cover the story when it's one of their own trying to kill our people. It's true, and actually, it's pretty. Uh, I don't know if the metaphoric is the right term here. But it really represents what's happening, what happened on January the 6th, where we believe there was incitement. Uh, there certainly at least was one identifiable, uh, you know, uh, member of Antifa. We don't know about the others because no one's bothered to really, no one's been able to really investigate. And certainly we know that uh, the the FBI is not pointing out members of Antifa. It's just very strange that all of a sudden they fell off the face of the map when they had been so present at all the other Trump rallies in D.C. prior to that. And so it's just a, it's a silence. It's a strange silence, and it's actually pretty frightening when you think about it. But let's talk about the good stuff here. You had uh, 35 rallies around the country. Uh, give us an idea of what those rallies were like, Matt. Well, I think that they had the atmosphere of a religious or spiritual revival. A lot of hope, a lot of optimism. I was at the event in D.C., and you know I'm not going to inflate our numbers. We did not have thousands of people there. We had probably, and again, you know, this was in a very dangerous neighborhood in D.C., right outside the prison. Uh, I can understand people being concerned. And uh, we had security. We had a bus that brought people in from Northern Virginia. Uh, in total, we had 30 of our people there at the vigil. That's a firm number. But we also had, uh, it seemed like, 
50 to 100 members of the media. And it's hard to count them all because it's, it's dark at this point. We did it after the sun went down. But uh, about, uh, let's just average it, 75 members of the media. Wow. I had probably 20 cameras in my face the entire time we were at the vigil. And that's very helpful because it helps us spread awareness because, you know, one of those members of the media, what, what's each of their following? You know, so we, we had a tremendous amount of attention on it. And what I was not expecting at our event in D.C. was we had a very special guest show up. And in fact, it turned out she had tried to reach out to me um, and I did not actually get the message until after. But it was uh, Miss Mickey. I'm going to botch her last name. It's hard to pronounce, but she's uh, Ashley Babbitt's mother showed up and asked to speak. And one of our good volunteers who brought a speak, you know, a microphone and speaker system, and we gave her the mic, and she spoke very passionately from the heart, and uh, it was very inspiring. I think we're very blessed. I know that we had some very special guests at many of our events, people who have suffered from the persecution, their family members, and I think that Ashley's mother probably is the best symbol of the victim um, of uh, of what happened on January 6th. And, oh, by the way, I also want to thank you, because you had us on your show the day before, and one of your listeners showed up for the bus. And I said, hey, how did you find out about this? And she said, I didn't know anything about your organization, anything at all, until I heard you on Miss Sandy's show yesterday. I said, oh, wow. Because, <laughs> you know, I really appreciate that, because your show, I'm not going to throw anybody else under the bus here, proverbially or otherwise, but uh, uh, you have a real audience of people who care and are active and uh, yeah, I really appreciate the opportunity to promote our event on your show because you you might find this hard to imagine, but CNN and MSNBC and all these other organizations they really don't don't want to help they don't want to talk to us about our 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 progress and our events like this or do anything to help us promote it. So we're grateful to you for that. Yeah, well, that's uh, that's nice to hear, Matt. And uh, I, I'm hoping you'll get more than one <laughs> respondent. Uh, we, you know, our, uh, you, I've told you before, a lot of the people that listen to this show have a vested interest in this. They were there, or they have kids that were there. And uh, one of the detainees, his mom, listens to the show, so we, we try to stay on top of this all the time. Uh, <clears throat> so I'm really grateful to you, for heaven's sake, who else is doing this. Now, you didn't get, uh, did you get any national coverage at all that you know of? I know, I'm know i going to oh, talk yeah. about the Newsweek article. You did? I didn't see it, so tell we me did. about that. We got, some, we got New York Times coverage the night before. Uh, I think there were a lot of local stations that showed up because we're very aggressive on media. Because if we're having an event in a state, we're let all the local media know. So a lot of local outlets, which tend to give us, on average, a little bit more of a fair shake than the national coverage. But if you just Google Look Ahead America in like a news aggregator site, you'll find we got quite a bit of coverage all over the place. Most of the angles were, um, they weren't quite as antagonistic as they've been in the past, although the thing they like to harp on is, oh, we didn't have massive turnout. We didn't have massive turnout. Well, we got the media to show up, and that kind of helps us get our message out. And Honestly, a lot of folks on the right are still afraid to show up to these mass events after January 6th. So one of the things that Look Ahead has been doing, apart from the advocacy, is demonstrating that, look, community organizing mass protests that cannot belong to the left, don't be afraid. We've had, right now, as of now, I would say maybe close to 100 uh, January 6th events all over the country, which we've held rallies, vigils, other events, without any serious incidents and out without any of our folks getting arrested or anything like that. 
So we're demonstrating that this space belongs to us, and that we shouldn't be afraid to exercise our First Amendment rights. Yeah, and Matt, I, you know, you have to say, uh, we can't quantify this, but it has to be true that the efforts <clears throat> that you've done in the wake of January the 6th have helped create an unmeasurable awareness that this, what we've been told about January 6th is not quite true. What the media has reported is just not true. It's, a, it's one-sided, it's slanted, and uh, all the thousands of hours of videos that they're not releasing will probably, in the final analysis, when we're all dead and gone or it's too late to even care, uh, we'll find out a lot more than we know now. Uh, certainly video is coming out all the time. I talk about this constantly, Matt. And um, they, we've had some great Newsmax that's running this great movie uh, that they that's done so well to kind of really lay out what happened on January 6th. So the polls are reflecting now that people are a little more skeptical than they were. They're not so gullible on what the national media is trying to sell them. You want to say something about that? Oh, yeah. And uh, I get asked all the time, okay, you did these rallies, did these vigils, etc. What's next? I actually want to break a little bit of news on your show. We're not planning to roll this out until next week. But our next initiative on this uh, brings the fire to where it matters. You talk about this video being released maybe after we're dead or something like that, but there's a very good possibility that it may be released in about a year because there may be a change in control of the House of Representatives and the Speaker of the House of Representatives has complete authority over the Capitol Hill Police and all security measures at the Capitol. And if there's a different speaker and they release this material, well, then we'll have it. And I think a lot of people are going to walk out of prison and will really, I mean, already a majority of the public believes the government is holding these people as political prisoners, but I think it will further bring, bring further remedies to this injustice conducted by the Biden regime and the FBI and the Department of Justice. But starting next week, we're rolling out a new initiative called the J6 Question, where we're going to encourage voters to show up at candidate forums, because it's an election year, and confront people who are running for office and videotape them asking a question, what are they going to do about the injustices suffered by the political prisoners and those who have been politically persecuted? Love it. In the love it. J6. Love it. And we're, we're going to we're, archive all of that video and, and make it available to the public so people can see where politicians stand on the J6 question. Love it. I will uh, help you in any way I can with that, Matt. I'm all over that myself. I mean, I'm, I don't have the ability to do what you're doing, but I will be all over multiplying what you're doing. Uh, the J6 question, that's what we, we should be asking candidates, and we should be asking them before we get behind them. If they're willing to take a stand and fight, we have no more time for placeholders in Congress, in either house. And the, the, throw the bums out on both parties that won't do anything. I think the left is mostly Democrats, so we have to throw all of them out. But some Republicans need to go, too. So, Matt Brainerd, it's lookaheadamerica.com, lookaheadamerica.com. Thank you so much, Matt. .org. American Family Studios was started back in 2011 as a way to advance the Christian worldview into an increasingly media-rich culture. Media is like such a powerful tool to communicate the gospel. I love writing stories, getting in my office, and just thinking, how can we portray this concept of who God's character is? And to get to use the gifts that God has given me is really a joy. AmericanFamilyStudios.net Dr. James Dobson's Family Talk. Christian parents are on the hook today because they have to identify the threats to the value system 
that's being taught to their children in public schools. And their job is to protect their kids from these influences. Tune in for Family Talk with Dr. James Dobson. Weekdays at 6.30 a.m. and 9.30 p.m. on American Family Radio. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to our program. God's blessings to you all. The borrower is the slave of the lender. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Newly published information from LifeWay Research shows 77% of self-identified Christians in dozens of states think it's a sin to lend money to someone who can't afford to pay it back. Still, few say payday loans are immoral, and one in six Christians has admitted to taking out a high-interest payday loan. The federal government's Consumer Financial Protection Bureau says a typical two-week payday loan charges the equivalent of a 400% interest rate. These sharks prey on the poor, elderly, and most vulnerable in society. Sound the alarm and make sure your family, church, and neighborhood steer clear of this vermin. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. The following are real-life stories from Trinity Debt Management. My story begins with debt, a lot of debt. I used my credit cards as a source of income. It was not a good situation. I couldn't pay my bills. The interest on the cards was really high. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. I initially was scared to call, and immediately I felt relief. They contacted all of our creditors, and they put us on a plan for success. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. I've been able to pay off close to $15,000. We're doing a lot better. Please pick up the phone and see how affordable and easy it is to pay off your debt. It's a godsend. We're debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. This is Frank Affney with the Secure Freedom Minute. The New York Times reported yesterday that, quote, breakouts and lockdowns in Chinese cities make a risk-free Olympics look unlikely, unquote. The obvious advice for American Olympians should be, don't go there. In a clear sign that the Chinese Communist Party is indifferent to international athletes' well-being, however, it is insisting that there will be no delay in next month's Winter Games in Beijing. And so far, the International Olympic Committee and the Games' corporate sponsors are submitting to the CCP's bullying. There is no chance that a government unconcerned about Olympian safety will behave better once they are in Beijing. In addition to exposing them to untold health risks, the communist regime will use quarantines to disadvantage non-Chinese competitors. And how soon will they be able to return home from a likely super-spreader event? Help save our Olympic athletes at genocidegames.org. This is Frank Gaffney. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Facebook or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. All right, so I look ahead, it's a lookaheadamerica.org. Sandy Rios back with you. .org, .com, but it's lookaheadamerica.org if you want information about how to uh, get involved in the vigils and the other things that Matt Brainerd is doing. He's got some great ideas, and he's following through. I'm, I'm very impressed with what he's doing. And so um, I want to make a, a practical 
announcement, announcement. I'm going to overstate. I just want to tell you something practical. So if you have a pencil and paper handy, or if you have a good memory, you know, turn your memory vibe up. Uh, We've been saying for some time that we're going to try to change the way we communicate with you uh, because of all the (laughs) Facebook problems and all of the, you know, Google problems and all the other problems that we're having because, you know, we can't possibly have free access. This is America. We have a First Amendment, which means we have a right to free speech. We used to have, but we don't have anymore because social media, of course, knows better than we do, and our government officials are too weak and feckless uh, to rein them in. Okay, so here we are. We're stuck with our First Amendment abilities to share what we really think with each other. And while we're in this limiting place, God willing, we'll change, we'll throw the bums out and get our freedoms back. But um, short of that, we're going to make some take some steps. And I just decided uh, there are several different outlets, and it's very confusing when it comes to social media. And you probably know that. Uh, Facebook, I just, uh, I just think we're going to just forget it. Uh, maybe we'll keep a presence there in case we... Uh, have to announce something, or maybe we'll keep posting the show there. <clears throat> Excuse me, but we, for the most part, don't see your posts, and we hardly see any of it. Sometimes there's like a one comment or no comments on some incredible stories that we post, so it's just kind of worthless, I think. And so I, I'm i going to choose just one. Uh, I've been advised to choose, you know, half a dozen, but I'm not going to. I'm going to choose one. And uh, we'll just see. I think uh, Getter, G-E-T-T-R, seems to be the most user-friendly, at least for me. And um, uh, it's G-E-T-T-R. So if you look for me on Getter, Sandy Rios, uh, just my name, Sandy Rios on Getter, G-E-T-T-R. Go there and sign up. It's pretty easy, I think. And we will start posting the show and also the articles that I refer to in the mornings. Uh, you can make comments there, and I think we can capture them. That's the part I'm not sure about. Uh, but you can certainly get the information from the show on Getter, G-E-T-T-R, G-E-T-T-R. Actually, Adam, let's put at least that announcement on our Facebook page. Just tell people to go to go to Getter. We find the parlors a little awkward, and so is Gab. Uh, so I'm not saying there's anything wrong with them. It's just that I got to do what's easy, okay? And Getter seems easy and user-friendly, G-E-T-T-R. So um, if you'll do that, then we're going to start uh, putting our articles and uh, uh, posting our show on that. That's, of course, with the show, you can listen to the app. AFR, AFR Talk is the app. You can download it on your phone, or you can listen if you want to sit at your computer. I would not want to do that. But if you want to do that or go online and listen to your phone, go to AFR Dot net, and you can find the podcast, Sandy Rios in the Morning. You know that. You can go to Apple Podcasts. You can go to any kind of podcast and find Sandy Rios in the Morning. Listen in real time or listen later. All right, so now here's the other, other element. We've lost communication with you in some ways because uh, Facebook has been so limiting. And um, I, I will, so I want to give you, I just want to remind you the best way to contact me is to go to sandy at afr.net. That's sandy at afr.net. If you have a comment, send it to sandy at afr.net. Now, um, it'll, it, I, I, I can never, I will never be able to promise you that I'll get right back to you, and that does not come directly to me, but it comes to me in time. Okay, if there's an emergency thing, um, we'll be looking at that more diligently and uh, checking it to make sure that you get a response. But... Um, it's uh, I usually what I do is I'll respond on the air. I collect your comments and then respond uh, using your name, your first name only. 
uh, on the air and try to protect your inform- your privacy. So uh, it's Sandy at AFR.net. And uh, I think I think we're going to try this, okay? And if, if it needs, you know, if we have to do something else, we'll do something else. But let's try to build an audience, a community on Getter, G-E-T-T-R. That's Sandy Rios on G-E-T-T-R. And uh, see what we can do with that. Okay, um, Twitter, I mean, I have thousands of, well, a good amount of followers on Twitter, but I just, they're, they are so hostile to the left that why would I, I just don't have the patience to wait for them to, re, you know, rebuke me for some post that they don't like. I don't, I don't have the time to mess with them and beg for them to put me back on. No, I don't think so. So we're going to go together where we can talk freely, where the First Amendment is respected. And um, because our purpose is to get information to our listeners, we're not trying to, um, and and I'd like to, you know, expand the scope of our influence by bringing in people who don't agree. And already I'm getting, I am getting email and comments from people who are, are, you know, are not crazy about what I say. And so we'll get to that. Maybe tomorrow even I will get to some of those comments. But um, so if you go to Getter, G-E-T-T-R, and sign up, uh, then you'll start being able to, you know, see the stuff that we're posting, information that I'm giving you about rallies or about, you know, the Newsmax video or whatever. We'll put that on Getter each morning. Uh, Adam will do that. And then you can go there and um, you won't have to, you know, I won't have to ask you all the time to get a piece of paper and a pencil to write down all that you need to know. Okay, so we're going to try it and then go to Sandy if you have a comment that you'd like to make, go to sandy at afr.net. You can comment, you know, on Getter with our, on articles and stuff like that, uh, as far as I can understand. But it's a, th- it's a work in progress, but that'll give us a good place to start, okay? Sandy at afr.net uh, if you have a, a comment. All right, back to J6. The reason why, uh, you know, Matt just mentioned that they're going to start this project where you ask a question about J6, ask potential candidates or candidates what are you going to do? What, what are you going to do in defense? What are you going to do to correct that injustice and uh, make sure that they get a proper uh, treatment through our justice system? So let me just say that the other side's all in to do that. They call this thing that happened on January 6th. By the way, a CBS poll just showed that most Americans feel, or a, I think it's most, I think it's the majority, maybe it's a, just a plurality of Americans feel that the January 6th uh, incident was a, a protest gone bad. So I'll, I can take that. I think that's an accurate description. Uh, and it seems like most Americans that are tuned in have a better grip on it than uh, people in Washington. But the Democrats and the national media, of course, are trying to whip everyone into a frenzy by repeating Insurrection, insurrection, insurrection. In fact, it's funny because um, uh, Jonathan Turley has an interesting article about that. Let's see if I can find his words because he, he I love the way he put this. He says, um, by declaring January the 6th a riot and insurrection, some Democratic members of Congress and liberal activists hope to bar incumbent Republicans from running. That's the other thing because there's a... There's a law on the books that dates back to the Civil War that if you have uh, been involved in an insurrection, like as in the Civil War where hundreds of thousands of people were killed, you can't run for public office in the U.S. So they want to use that against President Trump to prevent him from ever running again. They also want to use it against like 110 different House Republican House members. They don't think they should be able to run again either because they were complicit within insurrection. But – um. Jonathan Turley says, we have to have an effort to encode the notion of an actual insurrection through mantra-like repetition. 
The Constitution fortunately demands more than proof by repetition. In this case, it requires an actual rebellion. The clause Democrats are citing was created in reference to a real civil war in which over 750,000 people died in combat. The Confederacy formed a government, an army, a currency, and carried out diplomatic missions. Conversely, January 6th was a protest that became a riot. All right, so uh, I think uh, American people are beginning to figure that out, but the left is uh, wielding this like a sword to try to destroy Donald Trump and to try to destroy his followers and certainly to destroy anyone serving in Congress who was supportive of him and uh, supporting him on January the 6th. Jim Jordan, by the way, told the January 6th committee that he will not cooperate. He says that the committee request is far outside the bounds of any legitimate inquiry, violates core constitutional principles, and would serve to further erode legislative norms. And, of course, uh, he's right about that because that committee uh, is led by um, partisans who hate President Trump. And they actually physically, well, no, not physically, not hands-on kicking them out, but Jim Banks and Jim Jordan, who would have been great on that committee, were appointed by the Republicans, but Nancy, the chairman of the committee removed them, wouldn't let them sit in the committee. Instead, Adam Kinzinger and um, uh, Liz Cheney, who hate Donald Trump, were the supposed Republicans on that committee. It's a, it's a kangaroo court. It really is so unjust, and so uh, we can't let them get away with this. All right, and speaking of... You know, the uh, the left getting their knickers in a knot because of January the 6th. Just to give this thing perspective, back in 2012, does anybody remember that there was um, a, a sort of an insurrection at the Capitol in Detroit, Michigan? That's not Detroit, is it? It's dear. Sorry. I'm just blanking out here. The state capital of Michigan. And this was over the right to work issue. I vaguely remember this. Uh, it was uh, right to work, which was proposed by the GOP. In other words, that's it's an opposition to the unions. The unions don't think you have a right to work unless you belong to the union, and the right to work movement thinks that people should just have a right to work regardless of whether they belong to a union. And, of course, in union uh, states like, Detroit, uh, like Michigan, that's a big deal. So Gretchen Whitmer actually boasted uh, and has boasted as governor that she led a violent insurrection and then bragged about it. There's a video of it, and I want you to hear it. Let's listen. This is Gretchen Whitmer bragging about her leading an insurrection at the Capitol. Uh, in, and this is a real insurrection, too. You'll hear the violence as you listen to the, the tape. Let's listen. When the governor locked the public out during their attack on collective bargaining, I threw open the doors of the Capitol, and I led the resistance from my office. And so now the crowd is chanting, let us in, let us in. Jackson, because... Yeah. 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 
Some of the pro-union crowds raided a tent full of right-to-work supporters and apparently one person was injured as they did so. Some of those protesters tried to get into the Senate. That caused state police to shut the building down. We're going to continue to fight. This fight is not over. That's uh, State Senator Gretchen Whitmer in 2012. And if you could see the audio or see the video of this, uh, she opens the door and lets them in. And they come into the Capitol in Michigan, and then a lot of that sound was in the rotunda, and they're going up and down the stairs, and they are very destructive, and they're shouting, the police are the army of the rich. And she brags about how she let them in illegally into the Capitol and let them riot inside. So, uh, But she's real upset about President uh she thinks Donald Trump, of course, incited the so-called insurrection on January the 6th, which it was none of that. It was none of that. It was not organized like that. You heard the, how organized they were and what they shouted. The people on January 6th were singing the Star Spangled Banner. I, and, it just, uh, and singing, uh, I, we played so much video for you on that. I just I can't imagine. And that's not all. Uh, 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 this is a, Jerry Nadler, uh, Gerald Nadler who, Nadler, who is the chairman of the Judiciary Committee. Uh, was also involved in commuting the sentences of radical leftists who actually bombed the Capitol. This is Susan Rosenberg and another character, um, can't find his name, but they were part of the Weather Underground, and they did several bombings around the country. And so Susan Rosenberg now is free, and they're funding uh, the rioters and protesters you see on the streets now, like Black Lives Matter, Antifa. Uh, and he, she, uh, Gerald Nadler intervened to get Susan Rosenberg released, as did Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton is the one who gave the pardon. And so don't be fooled by these radical leftists who say to you they're the representatives of the people. They're not. The, they're representatives of the people like us in the People's Republic of China, but not you and me. Uh, they are radical leftist communists, and we can see their hand right now in destruction. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.